Red three standing by. Red five standing by. Pink five standing by, like the internet video. <laughs> This is Isolation Cast, Voices from Quarantine. Welcome back to Isolation Cast, Voices from Quarantine. Uh, so everyone loved the Avatar episode so much, and we recorded this before the Avatar episode, so I don't even care. But I have found joy with something on Netflix over the quarantine. And so I don't have one guest. I don't have two guests. I have Four guests from the Certain Point of View Media Network with me today, and I'm so excited for you all to meet them so that we can all talk about She-Ra and the Princesses of Power! So if everyone wants to introduce themselves and uh, tell us what show you're from. I'm MJ. I co-host Reignite, The Circle of Friendship, and the Rob Thomas No Not That One Robcast. I'm also a writer. Yeah. I'm Jeff Moonen. I am one of the two hosts of Fun and Games uh, podcast about video games, and that's the only one. And uh, I'm a voice actor. Uh, I am Rachel Quirky Shank, and I am part of the Screen Snark podcast on Certain POV. Uh, I have a second podcast called the Infinity Podcast, and I'm just mediocre in every way on the <laughs> internet. Hooray! <laughs> All right, folks, buckle in. It's going to be like 10 minutes. I got a lot of stuff to talk about. Um, yeah, this, this asshole TV is like. He, he just unrolled. Is that a scroll? Yeah. Jesus, man. <laughs> Good God. Um, so I am Matt, a.k.a. Stormageddon. I am on many shows on the network, Screen Snark, Fun and Games, and Reignite, all previously mentioned. I also do a ton of editing and production for a bunch of shows on the network. I produce the SideQuest miniseries within Fun and Games, which is about uh, gamers talking about games they love and why they love them. I am also a streamer. Uh, I also do a podcast called Crash Chords Autographs outside of the network as well. And then a whole bunch of other shit as time allows. Basically, Maddie just booked Stormageddon, and the rest of us just sort of came along. We were stuck. <laughs> Part of the package. All yeah, of we're, the POV. Yeah, we're just we're just naturally in his writer at this point, where he's like, "I'll only appear if I get if I if I get Chuck MJ and." and <laughs> Look, a rising even... tide raises all ships. That's all I'm saying. I'm into it. I'm into I it. Did, I didn't I like even think. It. I didn't even think about it when you all were the ones that chimed in. That you all are literally. Uh, uh, on shows with Matt, and then yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Chose I, order who chose this beforehand, <laughs> and, like, and he ties it all together. Yeah, yeah. exactly. He's like, Here's how it happened at the end of a heist movie. Yeah, yeah this exactly. is is we are like, is this like the weird first Avengers film for certain POV? Because I don't want to see what like a an end game is going to look like with the whole network on a, on one of his it's, it's called know. karaoke and we already did it <laughs> we sure did well so just to give everyone a little backstory uh i finished watching Shira in about three days uh because i have oh, just nice. moved back to the uh cesspool that is florida and um we were filming this right in the middle of quarantine. Uh, and so I powered through it and immediately texted the giant chat that we have for all the podcasters and went, if I talk about Shira, who wants to come? <laughs> and then these lovely humans were uh, 
were the ones that chimed in. So for anybody out there who has not seen the reboot of She-Ra on Netflix, it is, of course, uh, taking from the original 1980s cartoon, which was set to sell a toy line and was a spinoff of the massively successful He-Man franchise. And for anybody that we're not going to go into the history of it now, that's a huge thing. Uh, I recommend watching The Toys That Made Us on Netflix. It is a huge, it gives a huge background into He-Man and She-Ra and why they were created. There's also great episodes about the Power Rangers and My Little Pony, Hello Kitty and Sanrio, those things. But we're here talking today about the much prettier, much cooler, and much gayer She-Ra that was rebooted for Netflix. Uh, so what brought everybody to kind of click on She-Ra to watch it to begin with, because there's so much, we're inundated with so much uh, today on streaming platforms and everything. What made everybody watch it? Um, for me, it was the fact that it was the showrunner, Noel Stevenson. Mm-hmm. Um, I was a huge fan of her uh, first online comic, then was put into print, Nimona, a uh, mm-hmm. story of a shapeshifter girl trying to become a great supervillain in a medieval steampunk world. And this was a like hugely popular across several of my friend groups, several, you know, feminist, queer, wild, like all the wonderful mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. And her name was attached to this. And enough of us were like, all right, yeah, yeah, let's see what's what's going on here. It's on Netflix. We've got a we've got a subscription. And it kind of became like uh, and this was uh, first season, so it was years ago, like mm-hmm. the book club of which episode are you up to? Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. And all of the shipping, all of the thirst, all of the joy. And it, it was, yeah, for, for me, it was the fact that Noel Stevenson was uh, was putting it together. Thank you for saying for me who Noel Stevenson is. Because I and I think I actually mm-hmm. think I'm not like I'm sorry. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I was very I was so proud and happy and everything when it's like, oh, I can't read it online anymore because she's become wildly successful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I reread it like um, two months ago and it was just like it still holds up. It's still so good. Uh, I came to it. Uh, from a, a few different places. So growing up as a kid, I loved He-Man like any boy of a certain age, kind of pre-programmed to some degree by media to want He-Man toys. Um, and so I had a bunch of them that I had been given from my brother. And then I grew up watching it on TV. Um, and I think I had VHSs of He-Man. And and I think I watched She-Ra too. I think a lot of the VHSs came with both later on. Like they, yeah. you get collection episodes and stuff. And so for me, it was all kind of one thing growing up. I never mm-hmm. like looked at She-Ra and went, oh, that's for girls. It was just all one fabulously homoerotic thing. Um, <laughs> so... Um, so I had a history with it, but then when the new series was announced, I didn't know Noel Stevenson. I didn't know any of the pedigree that came with the show. Um, I didn't even know that it was an overtly queer series. I just mm-hmm. knew it was something that was bright and colorful and that was coming out. And my spouse, Sarah, who uh, did like Shira and was excited about it because it, it, it was supposedly a reclaiming of something that was kind of a little uh, propagandary for, back in the day, which all of those cartoons were, um, to be something of substance. And so she was excited to watch it. And so I was excited to watch it with her. And after a few episodes, I was like, oh, this is amazing. I want to mm-hmm. watch all of it. And so we watched it more or less in real time as it released. Every season that came out, it was our 
dinner time treat to watch. Um, and usually one episode turned into two episodes and three episodes and four episodes because they go pretty quick. Um, oh, no. And and then when the final season came out, I think we watched it in over several days. Like, I think we just just mm-hmm. as soon as I think we hit the halfway point of the final season, we were just like, I guess we're watching the rest of it to see how it ends and did. And uh, yeah. And so I, I wouldn't consider myself a diehard fan of Shira, the old one, but I definitely am ride or die for the, for the new one. I loved it. Mm-hmm. Matt, Matt, you made me remember that I had exactly one VHS tape of He-Man and She-Ra. And that was all of the experience I had with it. I had a couple of random toys just because garage sale, pay me down mm-hmm. shit. Mm-hmm. I had the Christmas special. <laughs> so I had He-Man and She-Ra figuring out the true meaning of Christmas in Eternia. Yep. Yes. Wow. I think Orko wore a Santa beard. I like he did. I'm tr- sounds about right. Sounds about right. Or maybe he always had a Santa beard. I don't know. The <laughs> maybe it's the fever dream. Thank you for reminding me of that. You're welcome. Mm-hmm. Uh so I came to She-Ra, I mean, obviously I grew up of a certain age and She-Ra was a thing that was on television when I was very, very small, but I paid it, no, never mind, I preferred Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, <laughs> whatever, what you know, that that slaps, um, but I have lived much of my adult life uh, in between uh, Steven Universe bombs, uh, <laughs> and as, as a way to sort of cope in between uh four years into beach city and gym culture uh i was looking for things to consume i am a huge animation fan i think animation is one of the greatest art forms that exists on this planet uh fight me nerds and uh i knew there was a she-ra coming out and i was instantly smitten with the art and i was even more smitten with how much the art pissed off mras so knowing full well that mras were uh uh were losing their shit about this i knew i had to watch it just to support a cause that made men rights activists so mad it did it made them I so did. mad. How dare she wear shorts? How dare she wear shorts? <laughs> and have broad the, shoulders. What are you doing? How dare no you not be my I wet dream? MJ, how about yeah. you? Uh, I came to Shira because it had been so heavily recommended by people I trust. I talked about this recently about how difficult it is to invest in new media when mm-hmm. you're a person who has anxiety and depression you uh, go back to the things that are comfortable because you know what's going to happen it's less scary. you don't have to worry about having your heart broken and not necessarily a bad thing have your heart broken getting emotionally invested in media makes it human yeah so it's very hard for me for a long time getting something my husband and I sat down and we made a list of everything that we wanted to watch and Shiro was in it. So we systematically went through the list and we got to Shira and we finally sat down and watched it and we crossed it off the list. And we were so very excited to uh, experience it entirely. It just, it made my heart very happy and full and made me feel seen. 
Yeah. I love that. I love that. Yeah, I um I'm a child of the 80s where I was raised by a babysitter for like the first 6 years and so that meant being put in front of a television and my parents paying for me to watch television. Uh and so I will always give a reboot of anything from the 80s ago uh because generally they're probably better than the original show. Now, I will always look like yep. I I was a soft boy. I was a soft boy, as they put it in the <laughs> South. Um, and so I loved my little ponies and Care Bears and Jim and the Holograms and, and Rainbow Brat. I've oh, actually got a Rainbow Brat doll. Jim and the Holograms. I, um, um, <laughs> yeah, right here. Thank you. Right here, Jim. We love oh, her. Oh, um, yeah. Um, I can't afford those like $400 integrity dolls. So it's a Funko pop. Um, yeah, everyone, <laughs> yeah. everyone out there can't see, but I just held Funko pops up. It happens a lot um, because there are Good. like 400 of them in my room. Um, so for me, of course, my generation of like bitchy white queer men were like, that's not She-Ra. That's going to be stupid. It's Teen Titans go all over again, which I will ride or die Teen Titans go, but that's another conversation. Um, uh, but it was also one where I like, uh, like Frank, uh, MJ, I'm sorry, uh, went, you know, I love the diversity of the body types. I love that everybody mm-hmm. isn't white. They're not these yep. like WWE wrestling bodies, which anybody that doesn't know about the original Sheeran He-Man, they had three body, like body figures and the entire show yeah. was animated in those body figures, which, you know, it's it was just, a it's cheap like Sims Justice League. Yeah, yeah, and it was cheap and dirty for the time, and it worked for them because it was just a show to sell a toy line. And with this, and so Thanks, I love Lumber, fucking Reagan. Um, but <laughs> I loved Lumberjanes, the comic. I loved the the comic Lumberjanes. Mm-hmm. So yeah. the Good moment comic. I found out that Noel was working on this, I was like, well, I like the designs. I'm always here for revisioning. Also, DreamWorks tend to does do really great work. So I yep. was like, I'm yeah. kind of all here for this also, because I have to be, if everybody else hates something, I kind of have to try it and be that person that's like, guys, it's not that bad. Just watch it. It's fine. Um, it's mm-hmm. fine. Just, But this legitimately swept me off my feet because I did watch season one when it dropped years, like three years ago. Um, yeah. But then I kind of left it just because grad school and other things. But then this and the uh, it's. So I guess we can launch in. So we're gonna we're gonna talk about things we love, maybe things we wanted to change, and just kind of talk about everything. And something that I loved about this was the show grew each season and kind of each arc with the way they wanted the audience to grow with it. Mm-hmm. And so, like Matt, you said, it wasn't. None of us knew it was going to be inherently queer at all. It wasn't there. Like maybe in season one, I was like, Trinidora. But I'm always the one that goes, who's the queer people? Who are they? Because it's queer people. That's find what them. Yeah. Find them. Doing. Waldo. <laughs> find the queer people, even if they never say it, they're queer. Um, but then this right. one, the creators went, you know what? I'm giving you canon. It's canon queers all over the place. And non-binary people. Ooh, because we, mm, we, mm. we got to get to that. Mm-hmm. Um, but so just for me, I think just starting off, something that I really appreciated, the show kind of did that Steven Universe thing too, where in the first episode, Steven's like, oh, my favorite ice cream bar. Oh no, my character. And then, you know, episode 100 is bismuth. And so, you know, it's one of those things where this 
but we kind of understand the stakes from the beginning. Um, but I like just kind of kicking out the beginning that they left Adora in the horde and that she is breaking out of this idea of the programming of the horde and that she knows something is wrong, but like she still has to work to get kind of past that and through it. And this is something that I believe was brought up in screen snark. Uh, Rachel, I think you said it when you all talked about it a little bit uh, a couple episodes ago, that they do this beautiful thing of showing that, like, just because someone's in the horde doesn't mean they're inherently evil or unsavable. Yeah. Um, yes. Which is this thing, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep screaming about Scorpia probably the entire show because oh, you know, I love Scorpia forever, so much. Because Scorpia, um, Scorpia might actually be the kindest person that exists in this universe. Yeah. And it just so happens yes. that she's on Team Fascist. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and you've also got like when Entrapta ends up. Okay, I also just want to say there are going to be spoilers abound. The show's been out for three years. I'm sorry, everybody. Listen along with us. It's fine. If not, wait until you watch it. <laughs> um, but even when Entrapta joins the Horde and becomes f- legitimate friends with Hordak, there are these things yeah. where they're they're not making us feel sympathy for evil characters just to make us feel sympathy, but they're actually. Mm-hmm. F- fully fleshing out these animated teenagers essentially um and so it's these and it's it's they make them kind of so rich and vibrant that even when unethically evil things are happening we see them falter and question why they're making these choices and for me i think that's something that is just really top-notch about the show yeah even 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 an abusive mom like shadow weaver has moments of humanity that come forward you know like yeah she's never forgiven she's never forgiven and she never asks for forgiveness but she does Mm -hmm. understand like what side of the bread the butter's on and makes choices Mm -hmm. based on that uh which i which i find terribly sympathetic you know like this is this is a person who's made horrible decisions and done horrible things and has no regrets about the horrible things doesn't want to make amends but is also like i don't want this world to end so i'll do what i can Mm -hmm. to help yeah it's a very it's a very like spike from buffy take like i got mm -hmm. forced into this position where i have to work with you guys now and i'll make the best of it and then you're just like you weren't so bad this whole time Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you also are horrible. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, a massive accomplishment of this show is in the final episodes. Like we said, spoilers in the final episode, genuinely giving a moment to Entrapta and Hordak, and you being so happy for them. Oh mm-hmm. yeah, for Hordak. Like, and the, and the show spent seasons making Hordak just a horrible jerk. Nasty. And then it, and then by season three, like they start to show more to him and you realize you learn more about him. But like to be able to bring that around so far, because mm-hmm. like while while Katra has an evolution and a huge one, mm-hmm. there is inkling of good in her from the beginning. Like for mm-hmm. the whole time, you know, she's capable of good. Whereas Hordak, he's irredeemable for the first two seasons, more or less. Uh, mm-hmm. And yet you still in that final episode are so happy, especially since you spend an entire season mostly with wrong Hordak as well, who oh, I love and maybe one of my favorites. It's so good. It's so yeah, good. Wrong Hordak is amazing. But I love so much that like they plant those seeds so early yeah. about Hordak. So when we finally meet Hordak Prime, you kind of go, oh, shit. 
our Hordak mm-hmm. is an abused baby brother. Oh yeah. no, yeah. just like abandoned, betrayed, dismissed, hated, and you're just like, oh, I feel so, I feel so bad for you, dude. Like, there, oh, yeah. That's well. I feel like that is the 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 big thesis, I suppose, or like the big thread that kind of gets like echoed throughout, and we see it with different characters. Is this notion of those that came before us trying to either live up to a reputation, live up to a name, live up to a role? Uh, the I've read in plenty of interviews that the idea of Mara, the previous Shira, was Ugh. very much based off of the idea of Noel Stevenson hearing stories of previous female showrunners and like, oh God, you're way better than her. That bitch was crazy, and realizing that after a while she's going to be the crazy bitch because she's going to be she's going to ask for what she wants, and that's mm-hmm. going to be a problem. And so Mara is that idea of like, I can't talk to this person, but I am stepping, I'm following in their footsteps. And am I doing good? Am I doing bad? Should I be worrying about this? Glimmer trying to be her mother or (laughs) not be her mother one way or the other. Yeah, or Um, even Bo actively defying the path laid out by his fathers. Right. (laughs) And any of those, and yeah, to see Hordak first as like a shadowy overlord figure that we see very little bits of. And if you see only crumbs, you try to make the whole cookie from it and it might not be the cookie you think. And then you see that too. And it, it's, it's a lot of those. And I guess this is a really nice follow-up to Avatar because it's that kind of mm-hmm. Duco earns his redemption. You see it from the beginning, even if he falters and fails, like Catra is the closest analog there where yeah. Yeah. all sorts of moments, but it's more believable that she's, she's got damage. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I love it yeah. for that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, also to, to reference Avatar, like sympathizing with a character like Azula. Like you sympathize mm-hmm, yeah. with Azula. You watch her like break under this pressure, under this insurmountable like need for control and losing it just wholeheartedly. And you're just like, oh, yeah. Yikes. You don't There's have to no watch her to win to feel for her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, because then you start to, yeah, well, and it's it's one of those that was someone was like, okay, if I wanted to watch She-Ra, explain it to me. Like, why would it appeal to me? And I was like, well, so this is pedantic in the way that I'm going to say it, but I was like, it's Avatar in space and <laughs> in, in many ways. But like, just because we only have, you know, I had a costume design professor once say there have been five ideas and they've all just been rehashed in different ways since the beginning of time. Right. And so, you know, when we're playing with teenage archetypes in an adventure story, it's going to start lining up. And that idea of a trio mm-hmm. always makes for a really interesting dynamic in storytelling. And then you mm-hmm. add to that, that trio. Um, but something with this they had was they had, for better or for worse, this like really disgustingly beautiful and giant microcosm of characters to pull from. And, Mm -hmm. and in the beginning, the fact that they didn't just call it, she ran the princess of power. They called it the princesses of power and made Shira part of the key to attorney or attorney. Right. Am I crazy? Etheria, thank you. Because I, sorry, I just Etheria, watched some of the, yeah. I just watched some of the '80s version this morning to, uh, you know, getting the, know. getting the. Oh they, God, why this is better? Etheria in this because of uh, copyright and stuff and and everything. Which, so, yeah. which, yeah, which I'll put a pin in, Jeff. That's a great thing that I want to come back to actually uh, yeah. later on. But it's these 
these things of they from the beginning we also don't just see that the story is going to be different but the people look so different and i guess as a mm-hmm. designer myself and just a visual person they make this world so inviting in a world that i want to live in i want to deeply immerse yeah. myself in the story mm-hmm. um also that like Bo doesn't look like a 70s Tom of Finland model and Glimmer is <laughs> is is short and heavier and yeah. Adora's awkward and all the you know all the princesses don't look like stereotypical the what we think women look like in adventure films like they're not mm-hmm. it's it's not the it's not Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman and those kinds of things which is kind of I think what everybody was expecting when they said there'd be a new She-Ra show um yeah yeah so yeah. you know it's it's one of those things that i think the design of this without anything else really kept me wanting to live in this world and come back but then they delivered stories that i just found so rich and so wonderful that i i wanted to continue living there as well yeah yeah so the design definitely gave me multiple queer awakenings that i wasn't quite <laughs> prepared for of having like, a type like um like how I want Scorpio to hold me up against the wall and make out with me, which is just the thing, just was the thing I wanted. Step but, um, on me, ma, me. Step on me, please. Um, so, but also, so you got, like, no, you're good. Go ahead. <laughs> I was to say so. Genuinely, like, I learned stuff about my queerness that I thought I already knew and and could continue to learn. And the, and the the show isn't overtly sexual. There are some sweet moments and some mm-hmm. love and lovely moments, but they intentionally were not overtly sexual, which I appreciate because yeah. the original He Man and Shira were. Um, but that said, still finding queer and sexuality related stuff within the show, even without intent. Mm-hmm. I mean, then again, I pulled that kind of stuff from Steven Universe, which is also in moments doing that intentionally, but for the most part, not. Um, it was run but, on yearning. Right. But yes. like, but but definitely uh, Shira's design felt warm and inviting in that way, too, because mm-hmm. it felt approachable. None of these characters, mm-hmm. even the massively attractive characters, uh, to whatever level you are attracted to each character never felt like, you know, gatekeepy or like we're the pretty people. It mm-hmm. was just, everyone was who they were and you took from it what you felt. Um, it, mm-hmm. it wasn't like imposed on you. Mm-hmm. Also, what I really appreciated about it is there was no concept of an ugly character. Yeah. 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 Every character was valued for what they had to offer regardless of what they look like. All was vastly different. So there was no paragon of beauty. Yeah, even Kyle had a moment. Yes, Kyle. Kyle. I love Kyle. I love Kyle as a character. (laughs) But you know what's funny is Kyle kind of represents the community that shot on the show before it even got started. Like Kyle Mm. kind of looks like the online boy community. And so to have him shot on for the whole show, I did eventually go because there's that great episode where they, um, Oh, he and, um, oh God, I'm blanking on names and, uh, Rogelio and, um, no, it's the three. They're like, they were with Catra and Adora oh, yeah. and, they, and so they, they're just in that. Lonnie. Lonnie, Lonnie, thank you. Um, and they're in the, the mobile unit and Kyle goes out to literally save them from the burning ash that's falling. And it's yeah. like, even the smallest of characters, they continue to develop through the whole show. So they went, you all have been laughing at Kyle for two and a half seasons. Guess what? You're going to love Kyle now and you're going to root for Kyle. Cause you know, you find, I found myself rooting for everybody at one point. Um, 
and, mm-hmm. and MJ, what you're talking yeah. about, the only person that we have an idea of quote-unquote ugliness is with Shadow Weaver and that she projects it on herself, not than anybody mm-hmm. else. Yeah. You know, and so it's that was something else. And her character was someone that, like, I always, like, because you have, like, she is an identical character that was existing in Voltron at the time in the 80s. Mm-hmm. Like, there was this, like, shadowy witch character that had um, yeah. a tiny, scraggy voice. And, you know, they were very one-dimensional, and they were a magical deus ex machina. But for them to develop her and then kind of keep developing her and keep developing her, um, well, because that the, when we get her flashback episode, one also yes. her voice actress can we talk about how that voice actress actually should be playing ursula in the live action little mermaid one because she looks yes. stellar <laughs> she's a curvy actress uh she's a woman of color she's her voice is so dynamic to listen to i love it so much um but when they do the flashback episode where she's um light is it light bringer light spinner oh, Light spinner, yeah. thank you. Which is such an '80s My Little Pony He Man She Ra name. Um, I have a comment on that in a moment, but oh, oh great. Yeah, sure. um, well, and it's also like, that. oh, oh yeah, there. It's a little heavy-handed in many ways. Uh, but when we get the flashback and we meet young Micah, and then we slowly figure out who Micah is, I said, oh, he's not dead. Which then introduces this interesting thing of when Glimmer then feels that she has to run her nation on her own, like not only run a rebellion but keep a kingdom alive and powered as she thinks she has nothing but her friends to support her like what does that mean it was such an interesting interesting way to weave a story together uh if you will but it's um of of kind of how they decided at the moment where we were like well what else could we possibly know they were like oh wait we got hold on uh, oh here's this thing but we're just gonna pull out this little bit and we're just gonna give you just just a little bit just, just a little bit hi little we're, note we're from the gonna DM. we're gonna give you a little princess prom in the first season don't worry <laughs> we're just gonna lay the foundations here and then and then we're gonna go full gay married at the end don't worry about it yeah don't worry Listen, about we all it. saw catra on the tux we all had feelings about oh, this boy very much oh so. yeah so many like, feelings like, about this. Catra and Scorpia in that episode are two of the reasons why it's one of my favorite episodes. Because <laughs> I had a lot of feelings. And both I types in the same room. <laughs> so every, every moment of Catra in that episode <laughs> is gold. Not not just not just yeah. delightful queer enjoyment, just delightful character as well. Yeah, just I think <laughs> that was the episode where I absolutely fell head over heels for. Scorpia in a way that I hadn't yet. Like I was like, I really like her. Yeah. She's a hugger. I dig it. Very good. Very cool. good. But like that moment where she's like, Oh yeah, I got an invite. I'm a princess. Whatever. And it's just like, yes, thank you. Yeah, those two are like yeah. a little bit of chocolate, a little bit of peanut butter, right there. Uh-huh. Two great tastes that taste <laughs> great together. Princess prom. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's and the, give. Sorry, go ahead, Jeff. You're good. And, and given that the the source material, as as you reference about it, like it's so on the nose about everything, the 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 very notion of people having hidden depths, layers, aspects of their story that isn't hello. I'm being introduced to the show. This is my background. Here is my dossier and my and my glossy eight by ten. Um, oh, my name is Natasha. Th- I toss nets. That's it. That was <laughs> so brilliant. Like I, God. 
I just want that moment to be a pillow that I can cuddle with <laughs> when I'm sad. Uh, but the, the, the fact that there can be those layers to peel back and find and things going on with people that you may maybe reference and you don't find out about for several seasons or at all is yeah. a shock to us because we come at it with this expectation of like, oh, what does Glimmer do? What weapon does Bo use, etc. And this the 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 comment I was thinking before is another uh, contemporary cartoon that this makes me think of, which is very off the path of what we're talking about, is Gravity Falls. Mm-hmm. Because that was a show, not just with a great sense of myth arc, but one that... I got the feeling that Alex Hirsch and the people that worked on it watched the same sort of cartoons I did growing up. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. Undoubtedly. Yeah. And not just making the references funny. It's doing something new with it. You know, yeah. Noel Stevenson and the amazing like crew of She-Ra like had these very on the nose caricatures and like paper craft dolls essentially mm-hmm. to build from. And mm-hmm. then went, all right, well, that's what people expect. We don't need to have everybody be their namesake. What can we, how can we build? How can we twist? Mm-hmm. Just making it on the nose isn't funny or isn't good. All right. We like, we're in the door. Now what? And mm-hmm. that is like one of the, 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 the brilliant pieces. The, the thing that definitely, yeah. Like Scorpio being like, yeah, I'm a princess. What? It what? just, yeah. You're like, oh man, there's so much more. I, I, I got to pay attention to the very end. Well, and it was such a smart little seed that they went, we're probably going to use this later, but we don't have to. But Scorpio is a princess. We're going to walk away. We're just going to walk away from that. We're going to completely switch around what you think princess means in this in this universe. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Which, you know, being a Disney human, I love that idea that, like, there has been such connotations with princess because we've also seen it as I mean, since. You know, McCarthyism and the 1950s television restructuring of what we think an American family should look like. The Hayes Princess is all, The Hayes. Oh, the fuck. That's a whole nother episode of a whole different podcast. Yeah. Um, <laughs> sure. But, sure. Uh, uh, but, you know, it's that idea that like uh, it's daddy's princess or nicknaming the daughter princess and Blah. or it's been some sort of slam. And then even with, you know, Disney whether they meant to or not reworking who these women were, even though they were still very archetypal one dimensional as we're working through Ariel and Belle and Jasmine, as now we're going uh, still selling, selling girls toys. Yeah. And built almost on the exact same model, like the body model, like the same Mm -hmm. tiny waist, And like, like, they yeah. only introduced She-Ra because they needed a girl's toy to mar- corner the market with He-Man. They needed the two, but yep. She-Ra couldn't be an action figure, even though she was the same size as the action figure. Like, all of them were, but they had real hair and swords and shields. But it was one of those things that they needed to make something that was marketable to girls to make the company more money. And it's the only reason why we mm-hmm. got these characters. And again, they were just a bunch of mostly dudes with Shira. It was a very female led team, but again, they were toy people, not television people. So again, you get, yes, man, right. you get man in arms, you get beast man, you get, you know, you get Stinkor, or, you know, even like all of the princesses, uh, and all of her friends through the original 80s show were, you know, it 
it's rough. It, it does get rough. And like Bumblebee is a Bumblebee, but like DC also did the same thing. Um, and so, you know, it was interesting is it's obvious they, I can only imagine what the creative meetings for this were like when they said, okay, this is what we want to do. This is the canon we're allowed to work with. And also because when you do a reboot of a show, you don't want to alienate the original audience. If anything, you want to bring them in because they knew mm-hmm. in uh, 2017, 2016, that the chances of the kids were that were kids in the 80s have children now. And there is a chance that, you know, yes. mom and dad are going to want to watch things with their, you know, I have a lot of friends who like the new ponies because they went, I figured I wouldn't hate it because I like the original watching it with my kid, but I think I like the new show the more, better than my kids do. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. I remember growing up with my parents enjoying Animaniacs and Peaky in the Brain more than I did. It's that yeah. same idea. Oh, or that weird moment when my mother goes, yeah, I used to watch Power Rangers with you because that Tommy was so hot. And I went, mom, you just <laughs> ruined everything because he's a garbage human. <laughs> oh, um, oh, that's again. That's a conversation for a different podcast. Uh, we do not that's stand Jason David Frank for, in this house. No, we we too many we first stand, names. We do stand the Green Ranger slash White Ranger. We, though. Just a yes. little. Oh, just uh, a little. It's Tommy. Yeah. It's it's fine. Tommy, but like, yeah. why is he? Why is he the back that the franchise has carried on? Is my question. As a diehard because he is the one who kept saying yes to engagements with like i'm back because like he wasn't the one that was viciously bullied or or yeah. right. tragically <laughs> died that you know what it's very true that is very true it's very true yeah. but um yeah, so it's you know i can only imagine what the creative meetings for this were like when they go we've got one that throws nets and one that spins air we guess and one that sparkles um and one that's <laughs> flowers does flowers flower yeah, Plant does stuff? Flowers. plants well and Plant then you flower have, like, lady well and then you've got so again it's i was watching all catra adora episodes of the original and entrapta is in quite a few because entrapta is just squarely evil in the original but she's oh, yeah. she's yeah. fucking may west she has this big and margaret red <laughs> hair and she and she and catra just literally sound like may west and eartha kit impersonators like bad atlantic city drag queens doing impersonations of may uh, west and eartha so kit good. which which i talked about this a little online and i would like to talk about it at some point but the um the episode where they're talking about what went wrong at the invasion point, and because we don't know about um, uh, uh, Double Trouble yet, and so <gasps> everyone's like, but you told me to do this, and you told me to do that, and all the fantasy, like, Bo's fantasy is literally 80s She-Ra, and it's so good, yeah. including the yes. including, yeah. um, AJ Mashaka doing a really terrible uh, original cat, like, it's 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 just so good and like cowboy yeah. Yeah. glimmer it's ju- it's just so good it's so good um yeah but what are for you all what are some things that just stand out for the the show some more things uh oh. for me oh sorry go ahead frankie um we were just about double trouble and i wrote double trouble is one of my favorite characters yes mm-hmm. yes so my much favorite chaotic neutral person i love them they're incredible they're sassy and they're just trying to live their lives and i appreciate yeah. that very deeply 
Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I will. Oh. I will say Double Trouble. Like when Double Trouble was announced, I was already following uh, Jacob Tobia, uh, the the, mm-hmm. the voice performer. And when they announced that they were voicing a character on Shira, I was like, "Well, I just love this. I love this show more because Jacob Tobia <laughs> is like one of my favorite people on Instagram. One of the greatest." people to follow on the internet are you kidding me i loved it i got so excited i will say my one my one thing about double trouble and i think this is endemic of a lot of how we are starting to do non-binary representation in media Mm -hmm. is often casting non-binary characters as non-human characters uh, which Mm -hmm. i sometimes i have a i have a tiny bit of umbrage i know change is granular obviously mm. like we're not gonna we're not gonna suddenly have a a glut of representation but it, it gets it gets a little it gets a little trying on my heart when things that i love tend to go with the ah and the non-binary person is a robot or an alien or a mm-hmm. a, a, a green shapeshifter and it's just i get the shorthand of it but you know it just kind of it kind of makes me wish that on the opposite end of this we had a character like Double Trouble who was non-binary who was just an Ethereum, you know, just like a like a mm-hmm. regular kind of humanoid mm-hmm. person uh, of personness, you know, like Natasha mm-hmm. could have been non-binary or mm-hmm. Frosta could have said I I I'm a princess but don't I'm not don't call me she, you know, like there could have been something else there it's the, it's that moment of like i'm glad you did this go further like that's always where i am yeah. on it i'm sure. like good job go further give yeah. me more <laughs> keep no, going i completely agree with you that's one of the things i think could have been fixed or as a missed opportunity right yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah there for was sure a couple of different characters that also were i don't know at what stage or how far they went for it they were meant to if not necessarily be explicitly uh transgender were certainly in the development or in the people who wrote mostly for them wrote them mm-hmm. as such including one of the princesses <laughs> I, I believe Perfuma yeah. was is written certainly to be uh transgender from certain perspectives or for certain yeah. people and i don't know how much they let that come out or got to bring that out but it's yeah and it's it's always so difficult to yeah you're, Rachel, you're absolutely right change is granular and it's so yeah. hard to look at these and go well, yeah, mm-mm. yeah, and, and I can. You know I mean, if you're gonna have one non-binary character, please let it be the shapeshifter, because then you got all <laughs> sorts of questions. That yeah, like... obviously, it's it's very yeah. it's very smart, and I can imagine how hard they fought for this in the writers' room, yeah, like true. with with <laughs> DreamWorks, with Netflix. Like I'm sure, like even just getting a character like Double Trouble was a feat. Yeah, for sure, and I think. Like a lot of people think you can't li- like something or even love something and not criticize it. And that's just not true. I think <laughs> we critique the things we love because we want them to be better. And on yeah. the note of double trouble, I think my favorite thing about them is that they were crafted in a way for me to immensely dislike them in the beginning to a degree because of all this, the, the chaos they're sowing. And then in the final season, you're like, oh, no, I get it. You just don't give a shit. Yeah, like, no hard just- feelings. You literally just don't care. I got it now. Like, and then I loved them even more. Perfect. Like, you know, yeah. and again, it, it it goes back to those Ooh, arcs. And I think one so. of my favorite things, 
about this show is how meticulously calculated a lot of these arcs are. Like the fact that Mm -hmm. one of my favorite characters, Scorpia is the nicest character throughout the whole Mm -hmm. show. Also Mm -hmm. then at the end of the show gets to be the most powerful character on Eternia, Mm -hmm. essentially like that. Her powers are some of the most powerful powers. Uh, She is one of the most powerful princesses. It was kept from her because of that. Like all of that stuff, like it just plays out in a way Mm -hmm. that makes it so satisfying. And I think Mm -hmm. the show could have been a a mode to sell toys and a queer love fest and that's it. And it would have been great. But what makes it absolutely phenomenal is the fact that it also had incredible writing, incredible character development, an incredible soundtrack, an incredible voice cast. Um, Also like, identifying with a character you know discovering that you identify with a character that later on that you might not have initially thought like i i have been told that i have similar personality traits to Bo, not something i would have recognized immediately on my own even mm-hmm. though i guess it seems obvious now but i think part of my I, yeah thanks um mj is nodding furiously uh but it's one of those things that Bo's character goes starts in such a specific place that by season three or four, then I start to see it because he gets to be more complex also because he's very much the cheerleader in the first couple of seasons. He's just the mm-hmm. go-getter, like the rooting everybody on. And what I love about this character is that he gets to be more than that in the same way all the other characters do, even though he could have easily been the one-note comic relief like a lot of shows have. And we probably still would have loved him, but they didn't let that stand. There's mm-hmm. no character that's not memorable in the main cast or even the periphery. Everyone mm-hmm. gets their moment, like even Spinarella and Natasa. You know, like especially in the final season, a lot of characters yeah. get to step forward who hadn't. Um, mm-hmm. In the final season, uh, Entrapta getting her moment that I didn't see coming a mile away when she's going for the radio tower and she realizes she finally understands. Like all of those moments are crafted so well. I haven't rewatched the show, but I have to imagine those seeds are there in the beginning. They have to be. Oh, um, yes. Mm-hmm. And so I think my favorite thing about the show is the writing. I love everything else. I love all of the stuff we've talked about. But for me, what kept me interested and kept me going was the mastercraft that was the story development from the first episode to the final episode. And it's the first mm-hmm. show I've watched in a long time. Uh, besides Shit's Creek recently, I think, that I felt satisfied at the end. Most shows, mm-hmm. when they end, you always want more. You want it to keep going. And for some of my favorite sitcoms, like I talked about on Screen Snark recently, Community, I was disappointed in the ending. I still wanted more. Mm-hmm. I, I don't, I wasn't satisfied with how that ended. But like when Shira ends, I'm happy. I, would yeah. I take more? Absolutely. Give me oh, a movie. Yes. I'll take it. God, yeah. like, give me more. Ben. <laughs> yeah, 2020 offered said, some some of the best endings of of mm-hmm. of our time, you know, like the good yeah. place ended, Steven Universe yes. ended, capitalism mm-hmm. yep. ended, you know, like what good <laughs> is it? I got yum 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 gonna eat them in my belly. Ha-ha. <laughs> um but like I just it it was such a relief, especially cuz I I went on this adventure with my spouse and, and you know, um, I recently have gotten a tiny monicum, teeny bit of Twitter fame for getting mad about being erased as a bisexual man with a, a female partner. You know, um, it, it, it was just this show made me feel seen in a way that a lot mm-hmm. of other shows hadn't and also absolutely satisfied from a story perspective 
when it wrapped in a way that I don't think any other cartoon except maybe Steven Universe has made me feel. And so that's yeah. that was that's really satisfying to me because that's not an easy landing to make. Because it's also like we keep talking about these these cartoons being shows to sell toys. And this one may well be. But like Steven Universe, uh, She-Ra strikes me as a show that, if not knowing how it all would be plotted, had a lot of its end game in mind from the beginning. Mm -hmm. You're just going to get a stronger story. You can either leave clues throughout because you've meticulously plotted it, or you have... Or you just let details and things that come up become greater later. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, that, that point where by the end, you're not sure how much was planned beforehand and how much was just serendipitous, but you don't care. And mm-hmm. yeah, that is a great strength that it gives such a satisfying conclusion because we knew Catradora was endgame. We were hoping mm-hmm. yeah. for it. And we got I- it. They said that. I up was, in the I was, oh yeah, I yeah. was still kind of, I was still kind of Team Scorpion Catra right into the final moments. Oh, I'm mm. not gonna lie, because I just, I just love Scorpia, and I just wanted her to have what she wanted, <laughs> even though I knew right. it wasn't very good for her. But I just really relate to Scorpia, <laughs> and I'm like, I want you to have the thing that's probably not good for you because it'll make you happy. Because a lot of times I've wanted the thing that's not good for me because it made me happy in the moment. Didn't you just want to be a girl gang out in the desert with your best friend, Catra? Come on. Yes. One of nice things for for Scorpia. (sighs) I will say every man I have ever loved is, is, uh, you know, I have never been good for me. They would never be good for me if none of you were listening. I know that, so I don't care. Um, (laughs) You know, something actually with, with Scorpia that actually hit me harder was that because I think they're very open about the idea of like love and affection in this and Scorpia always specifically about her friendship with Katra. And, you know, for a lot of us, that's the queer journey, especially from what I'm told from a lot of my queer female identifying friends. It's that idea of, Oh, I just, Oh, my friendship is just so good for you. Oh, I love you. Oh, fuck. Yeah. Um, But for me, (laughs) I actually kind of saw, and again, this is me projecting things. I saw Scorpia as kind of ace. As someone that, like, Mm. she just wanted that friendship so hard and that, like, loving Mm. her friends and just being... Because I guess also she felt that there was something missing and we find out that that's Mm -hmm. actually her power and her birthright. You know, you know, but it's... It's one of those that she's so pure that I kind of love that idea that she just really wanted girlfriends. Like, she just wanted friends. She's just this soldier, um, you know, and... I. I just love that. But I did, I have a thought, just jumping back to Double Trouble just for a second. Mm. Yeah. As like, please. I've, I've never, like, I'm just one of those people. I had this thought earlier that like, even when I was playing sports and stuff as like a little Christian kid, I never passed as like one of the boys. Like, despite being, I've always been tall and I'm always been heavy. So like, I didn't look like the rest of the kids. And then when like, becoming aware of like the softness or the non-masculine traits that I had made me feel even more out of shape that a lot of times, and we see this with double trouble and it's why I like that they were more than just a villain. They were about self-preservation because mm-hmm. they didn't see anyone else the whole time that looked like them. Also, yeah. they yeah. made the entire universe existed where everybody gendered them as they, them. And it was not a question. And I loved it so much. Nope. Like it was just yeah. so just amazing. Existed. Yeah. Like from everyone from Hordak 
to literal like ever, any Ethereum. They just called them they. And I was like, mm, I love this. But it's yeah. this idea yeah. of Double Trouble was about self-preservation because they, they were like painfully queer as well. And I love that they were also dressed in a very non-binary way of there were things that would be traditionally we could see as traditionally masculine, but like they were in a sheer fabric and they're in a heel, even though they are a tall thin character anyway um yeah. but i do i did like that thing about ultimately double trouble was about self-preservation and about protecting themselves and being safe mm -hmm. which meant i'm gonna help adora out i'm gonna help the horde out because at the end of the day i need to walk through the smoke and know that none of this is affecting me so also yes. that when yeah. Also, because the writing on the wall at some point, you're like, either Shira is going to take Eternia back or um, or Hordak or Horde Prime is just going to wipe everything out. And then in that moment, you're just going to become one of the 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 zombies, the Borg collective, if you will, the the, the, yeah. the, Horde, the Horde. Horde collective. Oh, because at one point they were like, you're disconnected from the collective. And I went. Oh, he's seven of nine. He's seven of nine for my, for my Star Trek humans out there. Um, but that was just something for me also. I also just love an unapologetically sassy character because that's just who I am. It's who I am in like any aspect of my thing. What? They were just, what? Yeah. what? Me? No. Um, it's the only reason why I got hired as a drag queen is is because I can be sassy with the audience. Um, but it's, uh is something else i loved is i so i'm always that person that has imdb up to figure out who people are and i didn't do it yeah. with this because i i did it after and like right now i'm doing it for the first time no idea sandra oh was cast a spella no idea mm -hmm. and i love her yeah. and like gina davis being huntara also like how did they how did they Perfect. get them to say yes to that? Uh, They're huge stars. Uh, like, Gina Davis actually like she went, Hey, I would be overjoyed to be part of this. Like if yeah. you got a role, because I, I mean, love she, like uh, a lot of her work is like getting more women in directorial and yeah. producer roles, everything else. So yeah. she toured the studio because like shit, uh, uh, uh like woman showrunner, great. And she absolutely was like, All you gotta say is yeah, like I'll do it. And yeah. that's yeah. <laughs> Well, and she was one that I went, that kind of sounds like Gina Davis, but there's no way it's Gina Davis. And then I went, God. And there's some like, there's some great Broadway talent in here as well. And like, you know, it's just one of those things looking through this cast. Also, the cast is as diverse as the characters that they played, which I think is yeah. really amazing. Really, really amazing. Yes. And also that like, because a lot of times we find, especially in sci-fi fantasy, the people who are not white are typically alien characters as well. Um, mm -hmm. And in this, a lot of the non-white characters were humanoid. They weren't specifically another kind of, of alien. Though, it, you know, it did happen a lot. Mm -hmm. I don't remember what they're even called, but like the moth people that um, little, yeah. uh, little, little uh, Flutterina comes from. Um, I was sad that Flutterina was a lie. That made me really sad because I was looking forward to that <laughs> I character. I love it more for that. Oh, I did. Like, I mean, this I, is Double Double's idea of a saccharine cupcake princess. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, it's, but you know what's great is her voice actress is Sailor Jupiter in Sailor Moon and Sailor Moon Crystal, which my favorite nice. like my favorite inner scout and so which is funny because she's like the big masculine sailor scout and so to have her also be flood arena it's just it just shows what an art where uh what an art form uh voice acting is but yeah speaking of actually, art forms so oh 
Uh, I was going to say no, no, with just... art forms and voice acting. <laughs> I have to, I, I have to say this because this is really like kind of a personal thing for me hearing a voice actor, like glimmer's voice actor, uh, Karen, uh, Fukuhara, who has just like the tiniest, almost indiscernible lisp in mm-hmm. in her performance i don't know if this is something that she actually carries with her it is also present uh when she voices uh kippo in kippo and the age of wonder beast so i don't know mm-hmm. how like much of that is actually like her performance uh or if that is just like her cadence uh i was i was brought down very low as a young actor for uh my slight lisp like it's very minor uh, it especially presents itself when I say like very like forward S words. Um, mm-hmm. And to hear her was like, I felt very seen as a person who was mm-hmm. like told to like change the way you speak, fix the way you say these words to hear someone who like actively hadn't and is getting work and is being a vital part of a show. It was very powerful mm-hmm. for me. Mm-hmm. It is very much about being seen. And uh, on the voice acting front of things right now, there is with a lot of what's going on in the world, there's been a big push within the voice acting community about um, non-white, you know, just uh, POC actors getting work. It's not just the idea of like, you can't play outside of your, your, your race or your, or, or anything like that. But it's the idea of visibility. It's the idea mm-hmm. of, you know, just because you can name a few successful black voice actors doesn't mean that they, you know, that uh, BIPOC get a fair shake. Mm-hmm. And a show like Shira, which just the same as Double Trouble is they, they, them. Why are we even talking about this? They're they, them. Mm-hmm. The, yeah. the idea that there are so many, uh, so many characters within the show that are, yeah, you're right. There's a spectrum of backgrounds of the actors. And that is another way that they are without making a big deal about it, doing something very revolutionary, being part of something very revolutionary. There's a number of Mm -hmm. cartoons that do that. Steven universe being one of them (laughs) that is a predominantly non-white cast and is very, uh, very colorblind in that way. Mm -hmm. And, you know, just the same as all this progress we're talking about, it's granular, there's steps forward, steps back. It's just wonderful that this is another example of that. And one that you, that certainly is part of, you know, part of the voice acting community, I can feel very proud to point to be like, (laughs) we we can have more like this. Please can we have more like this? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yes, Jacob I Tobia, agree. you are so beautiful. I can't. <laughs> so, I'm on IMDb <laughs> looking at Jacob yeah, Tobia, and yeah. I just love them so much. A, 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 a true, like, n- like trans non-binary um, fashion icon, for one thing, because they just turn an amazing look always, which was, I was like, I wonder how much, like, of a say Jacob had over Double Trouble, just because, like, it's, it's, it's just on point. Um, yeah. But for, for me, I also, you know, as we're talking about, for me, I think it's always been, I'm a very visual person. I think it's much more interesting to have, because like Shira and the princess as the princess of power was always a very bright and colorful show because they needed to sell girls toys. And so mm-hmm. this 
they understood that going into this, that you still, you know, they did a really nice job of sticking to the aesthetic of who those originals were. Like Bo still has that general shape and the poor little, I love that he's always in a crop top and like, he can't shoot without his little crop top on. He rips Bring that back sweat. men's crop tops. <laughs> I love it when he rips the the collegiate sweater in the episode in the uh, the library with his dads um it's so good because he can't (laughs) shoot without it it's just so it's a wonderful moment but they just understood going in that like honestly mermista's color palette on um i'm i'm feel it's she's supposed to be like south asian because the the uh, voice actresses, but like on mm-hmm. beautiful, like burnt sienna skin tone to have those teals and golds and blues and, you know, and just like perfume how she pops. And there's just all of these characters and uh, Castaneda and, and all of the, they, they just, ugh, it looks, it just looks so good. And it's a much more visually interesting show. Also, it meant they could do more, depth to the background and they could do more interesting you know because we keep seeing this like bright moon palette or um mm-hmm. oh, what's her name i've got it right here um, 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 um the computer what's her name light hope light hope is all of these yep. glimmering 80 girl pastels and so to have these characters yeah. but then when mara they introduce her and she's also like a, a south asian uh character who her She-Ra also has blonde hair, which I think is just interesting that, like, She-Ra as a component is blonde. Like, the power makes you blonde, which I think is interesting. Yeah. Um, but then having it play on, like, her beautiful skin tone and her She-Ra costume was a little different. And she had some different jewels, but also just her with the Ariana Grande ponytail. Like, just also <laughs> Mara serving looks. That's the only thing is I could have watched a couple Mara-centered episodes, too, because she was because we yeah. think she's this self-centered evil being but again to find out she's like a 17 year old girl that's making the choice of a literal universe on her shoulders it it Mm -hmm. takes that they could have easily made she-ra a sailor moon trope and they didn't and i love sailor moon i worship the house of sailor moon i will ride or die Mm. sailor moon but I also like that she's this being that possesses you and you get a little bigger. She's a big, <laughs> I just want Steven to sing giant woman to Adora and I want catcher to laugh the whole time. It's, <laughs> it's a, it's a crossover. I need, it's a crossover. I need make, um, make that fan art internet. Please do. I, I believe I saw some, like uh, someone sent it to me when I was like, Steven universe <laughs> uh, and, and Shira, but it's, it's, there's just Shira so, universe. <laughs> i want it i want it i want them to go to homeworld um but even like when we meet the star siblings like they could have easily just been like three white kids but like the fact that um jewel star has that beautiful orange afro and she's sparkly and wonderful and tall star and starla are are not jewel star i'm sorry starla that she's just that beautiful effervescent and that jewel star is like soft masculine like the idea of what we look at as masculinity mm-hmm. in the show too is mm-hmm. really cool um and that even king micah is kind of soft in ways that we don't um i loved Sorry, this is just a Bo's, one of Bo's dads being a soldier. And then that is why he left yeah. because he sees the corruption. Uh, and it's such a, like, uh, no matter how we feel about him, like Mayor Pete, this idea that, like, we do have this queer person who has 
a frontline idea of what war looks like as a queer person fighting for a country that may or may not support you. And so like Bo's dad's making that decision to withdraw themselves and run this kind of library. One that we're seeing black men be collegiate. Um, we're seeing them be holders of history when uh, yes. white America has been erasing black history, especially for, for, for African-American men. And so this idea that like, they're paternal and they're just like uh, Angela in many ways and how protective she is of Glimmer. Um, that episode. Yeah, that, uh, that, I, that, I, that very like nurturing element. Like yeah. it, it, it contextualizes these two, these two black men in a way that our media often doesn't afford them. You know, like well, and, we, yeah. we are actively defying centuries of, mm-hmm. of, propaganda Bias. placed on the black mm-hmm. male body in mm-hmm. in one episode just like shattering them being like no fuck all that don't you well, dare these are loving intelligent wonderful fathers in a way that mm-hmm. like you have tried so hard to suppress this and hide this about an in, an, in, an incredible part of our community and we will mm-hmm. not stand it we are she and we will not stand it Ugh, yes, I love yes. that episode. Oh, they're the it's, best. Well, and it's so good because for so long that episode would have been about Bo not telling everybody that he had two dads, but it's actually the fact that Bo decided to leave and become a rebel fighter and not a historian. Yeah. Um, like yeah. that's you know, it's one of those things also because like 10 years ago, the only gay couples we had to look at with kids on modern on TV were modern family. And while mm-hmm. I love Mitch and Cam for the stickiness and how everybody's like, ooh, you're just like Cam. And I'm like, fuck off, Eric Stone Street straight. Um uh Eric Stone Street, you're wonderful. I love you. You're you're a great ally. But yeah. Um, as, oh, as, wow. a plus, as a yeah, plus size queer perfect. man. It's no, but I was like, where was I when that casting notice went out? He was a nobody before that show. Where was I? Um, (laughs) I was in a second rate musical theater school. Um, But, you know, it's one of those things that, again, we have a perception of what we're expecting an episode to be like the moment we see something. And I guess maybe also it's just like queer people or people who are aware of things. I immediately am like worried about what's going to happen if something's going to be cringy. And then it's one of those that it's like, oh, no, this is exactly what we've been asking for, where, you know, it's people going, the gays are everywhere. And we're like, yeah, except it's like making a point that gays are there and then the straight person saves the day um or we all die of aids you know it's one of those things where as like a queer person this is what i've been looking for is like this idea that like we have queer characters and it's never discussed that like they're queer they're just there they're part of society they are intrinsically involved it's like they didn't even make a big deal either about like um natasha and spinnerella like they just have that very sweet loving moment and you're like oh yes really Really savage woman of color and beautiful big girl. Yes. Yes. Yeah, You're already you. married. Yeah, yeah. This is important because what needs what needs to be happened for representation is we need mm-hmm. a glut of it. We need an overabundance of it. Because then the ones mm-hmm. that fall short don't matter as much. You know, like mm-hmm. I remember mm-hmm. having hours of conversations about whether or not will and grace was a show that was good for the queer community like Mm -hmm. a discussion Mm -hmm. like a wholehearted discussion of like yes this is representation but also like it leans into a lot of tropes 
you know, like it was happening around the same mm -hmm. time as, you know, a, a show like Friends, which like lived for gay panic, you know, like what are we doing? Mm -hmm. But what we need is more shows featuring different ways of being human. So no one has to fall on the sword of something problematic mm -hmm. because it's all that they have. Building from crumbs again, and we don't need to do that anymore. Yeah. Yeah. No, well, like we don't, we don't, we don't need J.K. Rowling. Okay, we don't. Mm -hmm. You know how much well, fantasy well, is out there? So much. Well, and it's like we're we're at a point where we, now that you know we need more moonlight so that we don't have to defend what "Call Me by Your Name" is incredibly uh, predatory, but it has to exist in the queer canon because of X, Y, and Z. You know, with those yeah. coming out the same year, it's one of those things that it's like. Okay, so we're at the point where we're going, okay, we can do better. And you also don't have to bring a point to it. Also, because also just acknowledging this is technically a kid's show and we can sit here and break it mm -hmm. down. But when you've got people who have been so downtrodden and are parts of communities that have just wanted visibility for so long, they're going to make the show that makes them visible. But we don't want a very special episode. We don't want an after-school special. We just want to be right. seen as normal and equal. And so that's all we want. We just want to see this. Like, we don't need... I'm sorry, Becky Alberti, you're a lovely writer, but, like, we don't need more Love, Simons. We don't need Love, Victor on Hulu. We, you know, I I don't need the sad gay boy anymore. I want something like She-Ra where the world just exists and we accept the parameters of the world or we don't watch anymore. And this teaches children... And young teenagers, more specifically for young teenagers, because they're so afraid to be who they are. And that's why teens are so mean and why I will not teach high school. It's just that if if they see these characters that are just intrinsically part of a universe and they just exist mm -hmm. and they're there and no one questions their lifestyle, like nobody like Bo and Glimmer are so excited when they see. Adora and Katra kiss like there's no question they're just happy that their friends got somebody because they got somebody yeah. now um also that we don't yeah, believe is not homophobic she doesn't like think good things for her kids exactly well in shadow weaver also doesn't have much use to either of them if she's not pitting them against each other so true you know, it's Truth. it's one of those things. But yes, yeah, so that's those are things mm -hmm. I like. Is there anything that you all, you know, we we uh I we talked about double trouble a little bit and some things. Is there anything yeah. that we would have liked to see done just a little different? We wouldn't. We wanted to see more that we think they were maybe afraid to touch on further. Is there something you would have liked to see different? You know, as we're we're all creatives here, we're all within the entertainment industry and right, uh, you know, tangentially, and so. What is something that you all as like storytellers and creators, what is something else you would have liked to see maybe different? It took a long time for us to get like exclusive, explicit queer canon. Mm -hmm. uh, we had both parents pretty early, but they felt kind of one off and they had uh, Toss, Tossna and um, Spinnerella. And it was like, okay, and that's it. Those are your two queer relationships. Enjoy. Mm -hmm. And I was worried for a long time that that's all that we were going to get. And they kept kind of teasing Scorpio. But as Maddie said, it would have been that Scorpio was just so heavily invested in French and could have been um, a stand-in. But it felt like Scorpio was the one that was going to 
but and I'm saying this loudest first. And I don't know, I spent so much time waiting, I feel. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying not satisfied. I'm not saying that I'm not happy with the way it turned out. Perhaps it could have moved a little faster, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I do I totally, like Maddie's yeah, take will... on, on maybe Scorpia having the open-ended opportunity to be read as ace for for our for our ace siblings out in the world you know i think mm-hmm. that there's that there's also room for that discussion which i hadn't hadn't even entered my mind till maddie mentioned it and i i kind of love that to be honest mm-hmm. like i kind of really dig that a lot and it really bolsters a lot of like the idea of the power of agape friendship agape love not just eros love it doesn't always have to be eros love you know like finding the powerful connection with someone who's just like your fucking friend just like you're my best friend and i love you so much and like that is also very very powerful you know and yeah. like i i i hope i hope for my personal headcanon that like scorpion and Perfum- perfuma like get it together but like they could just be like farming or whatever and just be like <laughs> we have board game nights what's up yeah. like it's I mean, fine board act could just be lab partners that could just be it like yeah and trapped is another one that is often seen as ace mm-hmm. or arrow yeah and yeah and yeah. when you when you have a, a landscape that where a queer relationship is not for lack of forgive forgive the wording here but where it's not exceptional it can just be the idea yeah. that there's at least one character that is emphasizing the idea that it's like, yeah, agape love. It doesn't, it does, you know, saying you love somebody doesn't just have to be like, and now we have to bone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now we <laughs> like, get naked yeah. with me and make out. Or, because, <laughs> or like following a certain through line, like everyone is queer in this world or everyone is heteronormative or whatever else. It's just mm-hmm. like, yeah, you can just, the, uh, 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 uh a familial love, a friend love can be just as powerful, just as potent, just as supporting. And I, I yeah, no, the, the slow burn can get frustrating at times, but I'm also very used to children's shows being that way. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I have I have two. One uh, to mirror what everyone else is saying could be gayer. Always could be gayer. Always could be gayer. I have a strong the, visualization the, of Noel Stevenson kicking open the door and throwing in a binder that just says the gay agenda. I'm imagining Noel and like Rebecca Sugar writing the gay agenda together. It's like over yeah, like, exactly. some people are just like, what are you doing over there? Oh, they fuse. Oh, cool. What are you doing over there? Oh, two dads. I love it. Good. Throw it. <laughs> Yeah, my my answer will always be when any of my friends, uh, my dear straight friends who are trying to be supportive, go, "Is that gay enough?" I'll go, "Nope." Can always nope. be gayer, no matter how gay it is. It could be gayer. Um, so that's one. Uh, and, and and you all elaborated way more articulately than I did. Um, why? Um, but two, it wasn't. I don't feel like it was a perfect cartoon. I mean, I will say mm. that. There, I remember more episodes than I don't, but there were definitely episodes yeah. in some of the middle seasons that were filler episodes, and that's mm-hmm. fine. Yeah. It's a kid's show, so those should exist. But and like the funny thing is, the episodes I remember are the more memorable episodes, so the more forgetful kind of like run around on a quest episode 
falls out of my head, but there were a few of those where it's just kind of the, the, the best friend squad running around doing a thing and that's fine. And that's part of making a kid show. And it's, and most of those episodes took you to something that was the next set piece. But there were a few of those. And if there were like maybe could have used those moments to be gay or, or to do bring in new characters or different designs or new things like I think that would have been fun. But but at the end of the day, it's such a minor complaint because those episodes that felt like filler only felt like filler in that moment. And then the minute we got to the next set piece, I forgot about them. And I couldn't even tell you which episodes those were now. Yeah. And, I, um, and, I, and I will say the filler episode is an epidemic that plagues Netflix properties, especially yes. like stuff on Netflix, Absolutely. like is always like 13, 14 episodes could be eight, could be six. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like that mm-hmm. is, that is just, that is a net. That's not a She-Ra problem. That's a Netflix problem. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, for sure. Truth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, some, something I will say, uh, and this is, uh, uh, the the thought I had about Natasha and Spinarella as well, it was the same thing for me because we meet them very early, like very, very, very early in season one when mm-hmm. we're rounding up the princesses. Also, because they're some of the princesses of the nations that develop, develop later, so they're not attached to the crystal. They're not attached to the heart. And so, um, but then we went a gob of time without meeting them or seeing them. And then suddenly yeah. they drop in every time we need reinforcements or like you need mm-hmm. you need the people and so while it was gutting the moment the moment we know that spinnerella is becoming a clone like the mo or that she's jo- uh, she's been forced to join the and she starts calling natasa the beloved my beloved which it was heart-wrenching because you know when we're just going Oh God, they're the couple that we've seen in love since the beginning. Like since the very beginning, we've seen them in love. Um, yeah. That was hard. I wish I wish they had been constantly present at Bright Moon. I wish they had just been a constant. Um, again, so th- we're constantly getting yeah. part of their their narrative. Also, yeah, because we never see Carl or George and Lance again. I'm you know I'm a little sad by that, um, especially because I wanted to see. I think George was the 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 soldier i wanted to see him join the fight i wanted to see him come in and battle with us at the end i wanted to see the dads come in in some giant piece of uh uh artifact like an artifact beast or something i would have loved that yeah um you know the portal and end game for she-ra get everybody in there yeah Yeah, just everybody through um and then the only so for me i guess the only thing I would have liked just a connection with He-Man. We didn't need him in the show. Yes. I would have I yes. would have liked to meet I would have liked to meet a scrawny, skinny, nerdy Adam, Prince Adam before like, he gets like, yeah. the sort of named Kyle Adam. That would have been it. Like yeah. that's all he would have needed. Well, and then we find out that another sibling came through with her. Like both siblings are there, yeah. but his sword is not there. He's not yeah. like he because his sword is back with the the home family. But again, mm-hmm. it, it was contract issues, though. I would have loved to see how Noel Stevenson handled something as toxically and traditionally masculine as He-Man. Um, yeah. And and got gotten... Noel Stevenson's fist now. Well, and we're getting two different He-Mans for Netflix, neither of which are connected to this. Right. And it bums me the fuck out. 
Um, mm-hmm. Also, Noah Centrino is not a Prince Adam, but that's not what we're here to talk about. Um, also, just because, yeah, I would love someone really dopey and dorky, but then not have the big muscly he-man i would just love that it's it's yeah. like the male version that we get with adora he gets taller yeah and more muscular but like he's also not in gay bondage gear like you know one, one of those <laughs> yeah. things but um but i think it's important that i i think because the show is so successful that they could come back to it and it's interesting you all did talk about the toys we didn't get a toy line until season four and it crashed and burned yeah. Because yep. it was this, it was, I believe, Mattel who bought out uh, the rights of Monsters High from the creator of Monster High dolls. Mm-hmm. And that's when they got awful and they ended them and they made the DC Superhero Girl dolls, which also panned and burned. So they just used these very stereotypical body molds. And um, it just, of course, as soon as I watched this, I went, I need to go find them right now. And of course, I didn't buy them six months ago when they were on clearance because that would have been smart. Um, but but yeah it's one of those things that this actually did the opposite it kind of repelled it repelled a toy line because i don't think as many children watch this show as they they were hoping because i think it kind of got got tied onto by a teen and older older you know the steven universe crowd where it's steven universe while it's a kid show i don't know it's mostly adults that i know that (laughs) will watch that so any anything else from you all uh, well, I just wanted to, like to jump on to the I just wanted to jump on the thing you were saying about how we're getting two He-Man shows. And so one is a Kevin Smith run He-Man show that's canonically taking place after the 80s He-Man or 70s mm-hmm. or whatever it was, the old He-Man. And it's going to like wrap up that story. And then we're getting a new He-Man that's starting from square one, like mm-hmm. Noel Stevens Shearer was. And so I'm hoping mm-hmm. for that second He-Man that maybe Netflix will bring Noel Stevens on for an episode or two and like they'll bring the voice actress for Adora to like play that character for an episode or two, even if yeah. it's, it's even if it's a different Shira that's not linked or it's an Adora that doesn't become a Shira that's not linked to the canon of the other show, even to mm-hmm. just give us that nod to bring, to bring Adora in or Katra in, or like these, like as a cameo would be a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And I have hope that they'll do that for the new He-Man show, but mm-hmm. for the one that's continuing from the old show, we're not going to, I don't think no. we're going to get any of that. No. Well, and even if it's like it's five or six years after she was done, so they're a little bit older and she actually helps yeah. Adam achieve, you know, he, cool. I loved when she loses her access to She-Ra. Those are my favorites because yeah. Adora yeah. is such a flawed character and she, like everyone yep. else, really um, becomes used to She-Ra being there. Um, that, you know, it's one of those things that I those moments where or when she suddenly gets to become Shira after the sword is broken and it's because of her connection to Mara and the spirit and everything she can become mm-hmm. Shira again which was really cool and I I love a, I love a costume upgrade give me a costume upgrade yeah. any day um also it made yep. more sense give her a tight pony and some leggings she can kick way more ass than that um yeah and it also, it also like is a really beautiful way that sort of like evolves her literal connection mm-hmm. with She-Ra through costuming, because like mm-hmm. the first time she morphs into She-Ra, which is the the standard look we see her in a bunch, is wild, wildly different than how she looks as Adora. Mm-hmm. But like having that costume mm-hmm. upgrade look more like Adora in its in its inception shows that like she is more like 
body and soul connected with She-Ra than she ever was before. Mm -hmm. Like it is now her ownership of She-Ra in a way that that didn't exist before. It was like She-Ra was a mantle she was putting on, but now Mm She-Ra is is an extension of her being. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Which I thought was really cool. A really great way of telling a story about it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it was stellar. Well, and it's also one of those that, Oh, I lost. Oh, and some, yeah. And connecting with that, which I didn't realize till I rewatched some of the original, no one, but like literal light hope and Madame Raz knew that she was She-Ra like even Bo and Glimmer never knew. No one ever finds out that she's She-Ra. And it's one of those where they're like, where did Dora go? And she runs into the next room and goes, no one can know it's me. Flash, bang, boom. She-Ra comes running in and it's like, are y'all stupid? How do y'all not know? (laughs) How do you not know? Though <laughs> so there is one char- set of characters that I would have loved to see come in. They're called the Magic Hats. And they look like a bad Shakespearean troupe doing Hamlet as cats. Um, <laughs> I'll send everyone the link on YouTube. But it's, it's where Catra... So, so the original Catra gets a mask from Hordak, and that is how she can turn into a cat. Um, so the original Catra can turn into a panther-like being with this mask and you find out that he's captured this queen of these magic cat people and gives catra the mask and so they think she's their queen it's it's a it's a whole thing but i would have liked to seen them show up i it's it's just a little thing one of those tiny little things that um but i think they did because i also looked it up that there were something like 150 princess princess adjacent characters in the original she-ra like it's so many that one it was really funny that one of the characters i watched uh what in the episode was peek blue and then we get prince peek blue in that one episode and it's actually just double trouble um that's one of my favorite episodes (laughs) mine too mine too well and it's funny because was this tiny woman with a peacock tail and she could see like right into like barely into the future like that's her power is she like just enough that it's kind of like alice it's (laughs) it's kind of like alice in twilight like she can kind of see but it doesn't really help you um you know Mm. so but it's one of those things that like and she kept getting captured um also just because her costume was so big you could just grab her real easy um there were those little ones and we got but i think they utilized so many characters in such a nice way uh Without, yeah, yeah. What also out making? I don't think they made anybody the butt of the joke, which I also appreciated. Um, never yeah. solely the butt of the joke. Never solely the butt of the joke. Um, yeah. Well, I will argue. Seahawk is always the butt of the joke, but I think he's supposed to be. Um, <laughs> yeah, but I don't think he cares. I don't think he cares either. Um, and he's yeah, really no. Seahawk heart. doesn't care if he's the butt of the joke as long as they're paying attention to him. As long as someone yeah, wants much. to touch his butt. Yeah. Same. He's he's right. okay. I'm gonna say it. I think Seahawk is the Dick Grayson of the Shira universe. Oh woof. <laughs> wow. Um, he gets around that much, huh? <laughs> I mean, uh, according to his stories, you'd think so. I also love that he was voiced by Jordan Fisher, who I love and was gutted yeah. to find apparently, out wasn't it phenomenal. Not queer. I yeah, love. apparently Seahawk wasn't supposed to sing, and then they hired Jordan Fisher. It's like, oh. Yeah, he has to sing. Oh, I love the whole. I loved the episode of Bo and Star. Oh, 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 boys' night out. Boys' night out. It's so good. 
It's just such so a great good. episode. Oh, I, lo- I love the relationship of Seahawk and Mermista so very much. <laughs> yes. Just so good. all of the like subliminal, liminal, superliminal, all of it. Um, burning ships, all of the like closet diva drama that is Mermista. Yeah. I, I think the, the the mysteries when they're like finding <gasps> double trouble. Oh. And it's just Mer- Mermista's nerd streak might be one of my favorite aspects of the yep. show. Yeah. Yep, yeah. Too. And and the moment of yeah, at, at the nightclub when she admits having burned down so much ship, I, I just wanted to see what it felt like. <laughs> She's a character that could have easily stayed one-dimensional and kind of unlikable, but like I always kind of rooted when when she when she and Frostra and Perfuma are all there, I was like, some fuckery is gonna happen, y'all. Some something mm-hmm. is going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Like and it's introductory gonna... episode the end of it it's just like yeah i'll join you guys also she can turn into like an eight foot tall muscly blonde woman and i want to be on that team i'm just like <laughs> all right well all right yes i i i agree with you so i just want to jump back to something uh, about when things that weren't intrinsically queer i caught some moments where we learn that Adora has a type very early on. Anytime yes. that we get yes. a big, muscly, we get a woman who's very dom over, over Adora, they literally, like, animated an eye glimmer in, and she goes from, oh, oh, like, Huntara. It's, oh, yeah. it's, so, it's so good. And there's a moment where she and Catra are fighting again because they are. And you can tell at one point it was like, oh, you all are both so turned on by fighting each other, but you're not making it gross. You're making this character journey. I appreciate this as someone that's not yeah. either of these characters. <laughs> I, but it's yeah, just delightful little things like that. I don't know. I don't, yeah. and, anything else that you all think really like jumped out for you that you think was really exemplary or that you would have liked to see just different? I know we've jumped around a lot. I, that's fair. I also um, do want to take a moment to talk about how much I enjoyed Entrapta's characterization. <gasps> yes. Um, in terms of wh- wherever you see her on the ADHD autism spectrum, like I, I uh, as as a very ADHD human being, like d- diagnosed, uh, medicated, everything, <laughs> I feel seen with her. Mm, yeah and all like i don't quite have the levels of your face looks like that picture they showed me means sadness but just a certain <laughs> amount of like but i just want to really be fascinated by what's going on and that like i care about mm-hmm. what's happening i just don't do a good job of telling you and heck God. yeah <laughs> your 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 stakes aren't my stakes but we we are on the same side or are we and and trapped going back and forth is even that idea of good guys bad guys it's opposing sides mm-hmm. and we're all yeah. fighting and we're all doing it like there's a lot of Entrapta that like I, I I said before I like Mermista's like Diva Shriek is one of my favorite things I think Entrapta is my favorite character mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. I can get, I all can of get that, behind that yeah just the fact that like in by virtue of like her sort of having this like amorphous morality she she mm-hmm. is able to bring heart to places that maybe wouldn't exist 
uh, mm-hmm. in other in mm. other regards, because like while she is so into tech, she is also the person that is able to like bring out our Hordak in a way that no yeah. one else can, mm-hmm. because she doesn't give a fuck that he is a powerful like scary fascist dude. She doesn't care. Like she's not there for that. Like she's not gonna not like partner. bow and scrape and fear him she doesn't fear him and the moment that she doesn't mm-hmm. fear him is the moment that he can be vulnerable in front of her she's the yeah. she's like the heart of of the show in, in like that sort of like yin yang that like scorpia is the heart of the show it's so weird mm-hmm. that like the deep love and heart and care and kindness and and emotion of this show is brought out by two characters that spend a majority of their time in the horde. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, for that, sure. and that really starts at the point where we're seeing Glimmer lose it. Queen Glimmer is not having yeah. a good time of it. And you know, this is that moment where also Hordak doesn't know that like Entrapta didn't actually there are those mo- those great moments where we're like, oh, Catra oh, yeah. did bad but the thing i think that i appreciated about entrapta most is when they started letting her use the dialogue of i'm not good at social cues you have to tell me when yeah when i'm when i'm not getting what you're putting down i really appreciated that because i have a lot i have a lot of friends that are somewhere in that space and they have to they go okay how did this come across because i am bad at social cues and this is not something that i understand how this happened and i think that's really important for a lot of people because i think people like entrapta or anyone who feels maybe anxious in a situation because there seems to be a social barrier we don't get a lot of people like that in media it's another underrepresented thing mm-hmm. unless people are trying to make a make a point of a character is this place, but then they get to be a genius doctor or they get to do this or that. And this, we get to love that she, you know, she almost gets captured or ruins things once or twice, but like it's the episode with Mermista. And when she's like, Oh God, you're just trying to help us get the signal. And it's that moment of understanding that they've been really awful to her. Um, And it's why interrupt to join the horde to begin with, just because they left her. And this whole idea of abandonment is just so, but I think it was important that she and Scorpia end up being the kind of divining rods of 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 character heart. and heart and goodness. Like they are both genuinely yeah. good people. Um, yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And something that we didn't say earlier, I love that. I love that Scorpia is pretty, but like not in a traditional way that we think pretty. But she's just. She's strikingly wonderful features and she's got the little glimmer and she's got amazing cheekbones and a great haircut. She's stunning, stunning. And that's just something I also I thought was really <laughs> and her shoulders. Holy and her shit. Her shoulders, her shoulders. The shoulders and the claw, the claws are just so <laughs> Yeah. I, I was I was mad when they didn't make a, a doll of Scorpio. I was mad. We didn't get a Scorpio doll. I was like, mm, I'm not interested. Boo! <laughs> okay, so <laughs> Jeff, you talked about yeah. who your favorite character is. So we're going to kick this off. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to have each of you, and we'll start with Jeff, and then whoever wants to jump in. Uh, I did give them a heads up earlier, everyone. So Jeff, if you want to talk about maybe an episode or two that stood out for you as like interesting or important along the way, a moment that stuck with you, whether it's just because it was a good TV moment or it was a, a feels moment, and then a character or two that really just stuck with you as uh, as the show went. 
Um, I definitely enjoyed a lot of the episodes that were, yeah, the, the, those ones that were kind of letting the secondary characters lead the plot a little bit, you know, <laughs> not, uh, I, I, I think I remember talking about this with somebody about Avatar. Like if you're, if your protagonist is your most boring character, you've done a good job. Um, yeah. but you still like, her. <laughs> and because like I mentioned before, more mysteries is kind of an absolute favorite because it's so good it, it, it's it's like the one where yeah they basically run a D campaign to try to figure out how to how to storm the keep and everyone has their you know ways of going about stuff and mermista basically being like no i want to be the one to declare this i'm the one who reads the, you have my copy of that book oh while something very serious is going on and that all of those aspects in these very whether you want to look at them as frivolous, whether you want to look at them as a little, uh, I don't know, mania or cra- whatever else, it still works and it succeeds mm-hmm. and they, yeah. and they find their culprit and the plot moves forward. And like the sheer moment of like, how do you get, how do you time your declarations with all understrike? I practice at home. <laughs> <laughs> like those, beautiful little moment like the and and i don't want to say that i don't appreciate like the overarching everything of this show but the the way that they're able to distill quirks and delights of these characters into singular moments into, into the way that entrapta seductively says to a ship well you're a very advanced piece of tech aren't you <laughs> like, and, like and it's not weird or gross you're just like yeah mm-hmm. that's that's entrapta as hell yeah and Everybody has those. Yeah, Bo ripping up, like bearing his midriff so that he can fire. Any of those are the, those are the big ones for me. Mm-hmm. And yeah, no, I, I definitely uh, feel a lot of kinship with the drama of Seahawk and I like Mermissa, but I would probably say Entrapped is, uh, if I had to pick one, my favorite for all sorts of reasons. Yeah. Oh, we stay in Entrapped. I love that. I love that. Yes. All right, who wants to realize she's supposed to escape? It's so true. <laughs> it's so good. All right, who's next? Someone's got to do no. it. I'll call. I'll call them. Great, great. And so I mentioned before that Double Trouble is probably my favorite character. Um, I'm going to pair that up with Katra as well because both Double Trouble and Katra have rampant queer energy, which mm-hmm. I wish I could channel in my everyday life. I try to. But I don't often get the opportunity. Like, I'm a person who's never been to Pride, who bought my very first pansexual Pride shirt this year. I'm 31 years old. And I, like, I'm still kind of putting my foot in the pool and testing the waters because, hey, am I welcome here? I'm still not sure. Yeah, you are. You are welcome. Yeah. You are welcome. Get on in here. Sometimes (laughs) you get to your 30s and then you go, oh, I understand a lot about me that I didn't understand before. (laughs) As Mm -hmm. as a a fellow, like, 30-year-old person who went, oh, fuck, what is gender? Shit. I don't know. Yes. (laughs) Yes. So, Catra and Double Trouble just represent aspects of myself that I wish that I could be more in touch with, and that's why I love Mm -hmm. them so much. Mm -hmm. And the princess prom went a very long way (laughs) to, like, making me go, like, huh. You know, I knew my type was, like, kind of the asshole at the bar, but... I didn't realize it went quite this far. (laughs) (laughs) Just every time I see Katra, I'm just like, oh, I'm feeling things. 
<laughs> yeah. Princess Prom was a very important moment for me in the entire series. I I will actually take this moment to piggyback off of that because my my show moment was Princess Prom because I think on a storytelling level it was the one that created the unified theory of Noel Stevenson creating this show for me. <laughs> it was the one that opened a lot of those like locks where it was just like, oh, that's this show. Okay, cool, 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 cool. Got it. Like in a way that just like was being built up in the episodes previous. But I think this one was the like sweeping declaration of like, this is going to be as gay as hell as we can make it in the time that we have here. Like in 2018, <laughs> we're doing this. Like we're going there and we're unapologetic about it. Like what is a princess? Doesn't fucking matter. Who can love who doesn't fucking matter. This show is this. And I think that for me was such a powerful moment. It re it reminded me of like the first time I learned that the spoilers for Steven Universe, that Garnet was a fusion where it was like yeah. this show like illuminated itself to me. And it just like opened its opened its heart and like showed showed itself. Uh, uh, so, Yeah. And, like, to also, like, go off of that, I think that's a another moment that, like, Scorpia became my most beloved character because she represents something that I often, as MJ was saying, that I cling to, like, a, a man who isn't, like, feminine, you know, who isn't delicate or soft, who is tough but kind, who has these, like big old claws and a giant stinging tail, but still just wants to like hug you and like make you tea and take care of you. Like I would say that Scorpia is a beautiful fusion of like myself and my partner made manifest in a cartoon because like I'm tough as fuck. And like, I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna fight for you in like the fiercest loyalist way. And my partner is the most giving kind sweet individual that I've ever had the privilege of knowing and just like watching this character be tough and beautiful and, 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 and sweet and strong all in one individual and also have to deal with having all of this like power and beauty revoked by the actions of family members prior, I, I just connect. I connect in a deep way, which is why I just want good things for Scorpia, even if sometimes those things aren't the best for Scorpia. Say we all. And, so and really, who would? <laughs> <laughs> um, to piggyback on all of that, uh, uh, as we stated earlier, Princess Prom was an awakening for a lot of us, myself included. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I, I still love Princess Prom. Don't, don't get me wrong. Between, between Bo, Catra, and Scorpio, I was like, oh, I do have a type. Okay, I understand now. I see the line. Um, but that said, like, Princess Prom was an important episode and a really good episode, but I, I, I'm not going to harp on that because we've already talked it to death. I think my favorite episode um, as a bisexual male who is not always the manliness most manly rather or masculine quote unquote is boys night out boys night out started mm -hmm. as what could have been a filler episode but it wasn't because it showed mm -hmm. that 
that the guys can go out and have fun and it doesn't have to be the tip like it doesn't have to be typical or cliche and there were cliche moments you know they got in a scrap they got you know <laughs> fought and had a brawl and all that stuff but it was still it was so fun and also like i was i'm a music nerd so for to have an episode with a through line of a song even though there you know it wasn't the first time that there was a lot of music in the show like all of that made that so important to me and also that was the first episode i really got to see Bo is a character that I loved. And and I think Scorpia is my f- favorite character, but since we already talked about Scorpia a lot, I will say my second favorite character is Bo because, again, in the first season, he was very one-dimensional. And as it went on, you realize there were layers to him. To by the fourth and fifth season, especially once he's when he's mad at Glimmer all through the final season for the most part, like I resonated with that on a level because I've been in that place where people have expected a certain thing of me or decided I was a certain kind of person and wouldn't talk to me. And I couldn't have the space to be angry to watch that struggle between Bo and glimmer where glimmer (laughs) just wanted any, like I was both of them in that moment. I've been the person who's wanted to do whatever it takes to make it right in a moment when I know I can't because it needs to take time. And I've also been Bo. I've been that person who is angry and cannot reconcile my anger because I just need to be angry. I need to be upset. And like, so that whole arc for Bo is so masterful and so beautiful it, it made him become one of my favorite characters because it was a complexity I was not expecting. Um, and, and boys night out is like the start of that, right? Because they, they sneak out to do a thing and like, it just starts that kind of break that works its way through the rest of season four and all of season five. Um, and then I will also shout out my favorite relationship um, in the series. I, I think besides bone glimmer, of course, because it wasn't forced like them mm-hmm. ending up together was a course of a friendship evolving into a relationship, which yeah. I will take uh, a moment of, uh, of grossness to um, be really cheesy and say, that's how I envision my relationship with my incredible spouse is like, we met as friends and it was a, a, a heavy duty evolution into a friendship that became a romance. And I see a mm. lot of that and was so natural in bow and glimmer. And I love that. Um, but also Mermista and Seahawk, the fact that, they love each other so much to the point where like every time Mermista rolled her eyes, I think I looked at Sarah because <laughs> like there's just a lot of Seahawk in me also. Just, <laughs> it's, it's, there. Just, it's there. Yeah. Trust. Um, and so like, you know, I think that that relationship, it was never forced. He was never predatory in any way. He just has a big heart, you mm-hmm. know, in the same way that Scorpia had a big heart. Um, there was a lot of parallels between Scorpia and and Catra and and Seahawk and and Mermista and you mm-hmm. know one's more or less a friendship and the other one is possibly romantic until we find out later that it is probably definitely romantic on some level. So yeah, and so like again, Boys Night Out leads to that. We see so much of Seahawk in that episode besides just the goofball that he genuinely cares and wants to do good, doesn't yeah. always know how to help, but wants to help. Um, so yeah. Uh, so to sum it all up, I think it's safe to say that Bo has become one of my favorite characters because of the journey we've gone on with that character. You did just remind me of the conversation that Seahawk and Scorpia have about like, am I not cool? Am I cool? <laughs> oh yeah, that's... Uh, that's that yeah. that's a great one you're they're like they're both like we're the cool ones right like because i i think you're pretty cool oh yeah so yeah that 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 moment was actually phenomenal yeah i forgot about that so well, so and i until you're like wait a minute 
Well, and if you think <laughs> about it, that's like one of two times that those characters are implicitly alone on screen together. Like the only time mm-hmm. I believe is like that moment. Cause otherwise they're either in the heat of battle or they're just, they haven't interacted. Like, so it's just a, it's one yeah. of those things where it's, it's like, I, I hate referencing Mad Men, but like Mad Men is a thing. It's that moment where Roger Stone and Peggy are alone in the old law office to get our uh, advertising office together. And we realized that in four seasons, they'd never been on screen together without someone else there. So they went, cool, you all are going to get drunk together for a whole episode. So I don't know. I will almost <laughs> have loved to see a, a Seahawk and uh, Scorpio episode. That would have been really fun. Um, that would have uh, been. I've yeah. been trying to prepare this whole time you all have been talking, and I knew I was going to ask this question. Um, uh, I think for me, so my favorite episodes, and it's going to sound a little funny. I have two. One is the coronation of Glimmer as Queen of Night Moon. Because I'm always a huge fan. Every show has that episode that has to happen because nobody's been saying the things they need to say. And that's Glimmer's Mm -hmm. coronation episode at that point, because we had just come out of a huge thing. We'd lost Queen Angela. You know, Bright Moon had won the day, but they didn't really win the day. It's a it's a thing. And and Glimmer has her shiny new mom hair. I love it. I love that Glimmer got a hair change. It's so good. It's so good. And they amped up her sparkles. She just got sparklier, which I love. Um, But yeah, it's this thing of like, they're all mad at each other. But like, and then we see the other princesses in a great moment. And then my other favorite episode is the Madame Raz pie episode. One, I love Raz. I also love that. I also love that she is most like her original character from the the first the the eighties show. Yeah. And we only see her a couple yeah, times. Yeah. But it's the the fact that she's so old and has so much magic that she's existing in multiple planes of time at the same time. That like her mind mm-hmm. is just heartbreaking um episode. it's heartbreaking and I that's the moment I fell in love with Mara as as a character. I love yes. that we're getting more of her. And so for me I think it's those two episodes for me are just they don't make a ton of influence at the end of the day. I mean, they both propel into other things, but I think for me, it was really cool character things. And I'll always take one-off character moments than like overall, overall moments. Um, I don't think I need to say it anymore. Double Trouble is just, I just, I wish I could be that <laughs> sassy and suave and wonderful. Um, I mean, it was a, a, a different gender fluid character from a different property, but uh, Double Trouble is be the chaos you want to see in the world. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Very, very much. Uh, yeah. I, I did see a fan comic that's Double Trouble and Loki uh, that I went. Ooh. Ooh, this. And this, that's, that's my particular brand of gross sexual awakening is somewhere between Double Trouble and Loki. Uh, that's fair. As much as I run away from it. <laughs> um, <laughs> characters are hard because. I, you end up loving everyone so much. Um, so I think Swiftwind and not Hordak. Oh, I think Swiftwind. My beautiful anarchist pony boy. Are you kidding me? <laughs> and <sighs> they cannot tell me that Swiftwind is not a direct take of Starlight from the original Rainbow Bright, who is just a sassy, yeah. queeny, British, rainbow-haired white horse. Um, which I, I, I love. Make that connection. It's well, because like Swift, 
well, they don't call him Swiftwind in the original Shira. He barely talks, and he kind of talks like a horse. Uh, but in this, yeah. he's yeah. his, and she's like, "I'm sorry, I made you this way." And he's like, "It's fine. Now people can hear me when I talk to them." And I was like, "Oh, if that's not me, I don't know what is." Um, <laughs> Burn it all down uh, and braid my maid. <laughs> yeah. There's just I think, and I think my favorite moment has to go to Mermista of uh of i just wanted to see what it would be like uh, yeah because that's the point where i was like can mermista be in every episode because i was like oh she's just daria and then i went she's so much more than that um her description of sira sira i yes. love i i would have loved uh, an episode where they just let her be sira i think and each of the princesses would have gotten their moment as shira i think would have been very funny uh even, yeah. Uh, just a. Also, I love uh, another moment, and again, this is just gamer me. Bo, when he literally makes their tabletop characters, they were like, "Are you playing <laughs> with dolls?" <laughs> and he's like, "These are these are strategy figurines." Yeah. Right. Like, Yelling. Oh, these aren't dolls. They're action figures. <laughs> he's and she's like, "Well, where's mine?" Oh, I can't make it that quickly. It's just so. It's so good. And it was they. Right. They obviously knew who their their um. They knew who their audience was. So those were oh, yes. good things. Before we wrap up, before we wrap up, there's one thing that I want to talk about that I said we're going to, and we haven't yet. And that's, hey, Adora. I yeah. just All right. <laughs> never have I ever had a moment that defined a show so much. Because, like, I feel like, now that they're together, if she does that, like Adora's making breakfast and Catra comes out and goes, hey, Adora, uh, Adora's literally going to like flashback and smack her in the face with a frying pan because it never happened <laughs> in a moment. Well, and she's going to love yeah. it. And it's never, and it, but it never happens in the show at a moment where chaos does not ensue. But it was such a beautiful acting moment for AJ Mashaka, who is part of Ali and mm-hmm. AJ. She's a previous Disney Channel kid. Yeah. Um, a uh, part of me really did want her to sing part of potential breakup song uh, as Catra because I thought it would have been funny. Um, but it's it is to me one of the most defining moments of the show, and they yeah, it's one of those that could have easily like been grounded to the ground, but it was used to such effectiveness and power. Um, it was just so good. I don't know what you all think about that, but uh, I we could because everyone I, go go go. Anytime you heard it, you knew shit was going down. It was, it was yes. incredibly effective. It was not overdone. It was yeah. always a cue to get your blood pumping. And yep. the second you heard it, you were just like, oh, no, oh, everything no. is going to be bad. Yep. And it and got it was- turned around once or twice in just the right ways. Like, mm-hmm. And I appreciate when a show can look at like quirks of a character or things they say things they do and like let other characters pick up on it and do something with it not yeah. to the point where it's mm-hmm. a hokey catchphrase but it's just like you talk like your friends or you speak you 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 do the same things and like the best friend squad heard hey adora enough times that that's it just becomes something else like yeah it's you're and no mj you're absolutely right it's like that's the starting gun something's mm-hmm. happening yeah. Yeah. I th- I think also from a voice acting perspective, like that's like catchphrases are are key, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I come from many podcasts that all have ca- catchphrases. The idea of something memorable that'll stick in people's craw, and the fact that anyone can go, "Hey, Adora," 
and do it decently well because it's just so ground into the zeitgeist of the show um mm-hmm. that i think it, it's masterful you know it it, it 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 is up there with the narfs of the world i think it's just a catchphrase that if you love this show literally if someone says they like shira you can lean and go hey adora, hey, adora. and i'm like you'll just giggle and then you'll have a moment like it it just it transcends i think a lot of yeah, like cause there's a lot of memorable moments in the show but that one transcends even moments it's just it's iconic for, for yeah. what the show is it's like the asmr of line reads but then if like asmr <laughs> is just like gonna smack you in the face <laughs> and that's an untapped market it's it's so true. Well, and I think what was also really like a, like a dommy mommy ASM artist. BDSMR. <laughs> B- oh, oh no. listen. Listen, which is anyone out there listening, that's a great OnlyFans. That should be someone's OnlyFans. <laughs> there you go. I've that, actually right? put more thought than I'm probably comfortable admitting on this podcast it, into the business model of BDSMR and what that would actually be. <laughs> Listen, Amazing. Jeff. Let's 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 talk off mic. Uh, it could be a lucrative, lucrative, and bringing it back. Um, if you want, you know, something very fun. Uh, after the fifth season of Shira uh, landed on Netflix and the world went to hell, there is like a Zoom meeting or whatever that was much of the cast and Noel Stevenson. And there is a part of it, and you can find that clip on YouTube of all of them like giggling and trying to, and all of them doing their best. Hey, Adora. (laughs) And it's amazing. It is so sweet and wonderful. And you just want the earth to swallow you whole and hug you afterwards. It's a warm hug. Well, and something that I think is important that I didn't notice until the show was almost done that we stop hearing her use that phrasing for Adora in season four, when stuff starts going really bad and Catra is unhinging uh, or mm-hmm. when she's with Horde prime, there are these moments of it becomes a, Hey, Adora, or you know, it's, it's, we see well, you Catra. Get Hello, Adora after she's yeah. brainwashed. Oh yeah. Hello, That's Adora. The, like, yep. Yep. Oh yeah. Do not want. Uh, yep. No, nope. thank you. <laughs> nope. Well, and it it was just so lovely, and it was such a nice moment that they probably thought was just funny early on, but it is such a wonderful and effective storytelling moment. It's so li- nice and lovely, and I I love it. Uh, I love it so much. Uh, I had a thought. It's gone now, because that's just where we are in the universe. Um, so I think if we want to go in the same order we did before, thank you all so much for being on the show with me today. You all are rock stars. I love you all. Uh, I guess starting with MJ and going down, where can the lovely podcast humans find you on the interwebs? Well, if you want to follow me personally, my Twitter username is I hoard libraries. You can see me tweet about random bullshit. But if you care about my podcast work, you can follow me at reignite pod at COF pod and at not that Robcast. Amazing. Jeff. Uh- you can find me on Twitter at Jeff Makes Noise, G-E-O-F-F. And uh, you can follow Fun and Games as part of the Certain POV Network, uh, funandgames.libsyn.com or found on certainpov.com. And uh, who knows what else, but those are the big ones. Rachel. 
Yeah, you can find me all up on them internet uh, at the handle at I am Rachel Shank, spelled S-C-H-E-N-K. Uh, please listen to my podcast, Screen Snark on the Certain Point of View Podcast Network, and the Infinity Podcast, uh, both airing on Mondays. I'm very popular on Mondays. Yeah, you are. Uh, <laughs> and, and Matt Storm. Who <laughs> are? Um, so on Furl Scroll, uh, no, uh, the best place to find me really is anywhere you can look up social media profiles. If you go, if you type in DJ underscore Stormageddon, you will find me. I am on TikTok under that name, Instagram, Twitch, uh, Twitter, pretty much everywhere that I give a crap about. Um, and podcasts, all three of the po- my podcasts have already been previously mentioned. Um, but the big <laughs> thing I really want to point towards because we are I'm really people. You are my high people. Uh, We're in it, your it writer. This is why. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the, the project I'm most proud of right now, just because it started as a ridiculous galaxy brain brainchild that I pitched to Jeff, that is now a reality 15 episodes in almost, um, is Side Quests, which is a sub-series within Fun and Games. It's found on the Fun and Games feed. Um, I produce it. Jeff does our lovely intro and actually wrote the music for it. Um, and perform the music for it, which Ooh. is uh, incredible. And um, it's a small series of a different host every episode talking about a game they love and why they love it. Um, yeah. Jeff has done an episode. I've done an episode. MJ has done an episode. Um, and I have episodes I know coming at some point from Maddie and from Rachel about uh, something. And so, like, but it's literally anyone who wants to talk about a video game they love and why they love it. It doesn't matter if you consider yourself a quote-unquote gamer. It's just about celebrating video games and why we love them. Um, and, uh, and I highly, highly recommend that as well as all of the other incredible podcasts that you can find at certainpov.com. Thank you for joining us for another Isolation Cast. As always, you can find every one of these amazing podcasters at certainpov.com. All of our shows are listed there. And as always, find us on social media, the link tree to our stores. We're still doing our Pride Summer donations for all the merchandise purchased out of our Pride collections. Uh, Just follow us there. Don't forget, it's important to not only follow us on social media, subscribe to all of our shows. They'll auto-download every week, and that way you don't have to go searching for them. Uh, And don't forget to join us on Patreon. It's only $2 a month, and you're going to help our new programming that we have coming up. We are expanding the Dole Up and Dreams family, and I'm so excited for you all to take part in these shows. Now, go out and find your joy. CPOV. CertainPOV.com.